Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 385, inflation is high, interest rates are high, and the financial markets are volatile. Are bonds and Series I bonds good investments or bad investments right now? How do bonds fit into your overall retirement portfolio? Plus, variable annuities, evaluating the long-term value of Roth contributions versus Roth conversions, what, if anything, can be done about losses in an after-tax 401k, helping adult kids buy a home, and drinks in the derails. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click on Ask Joe and Al on air to send in your question as an email or a priority voice message like the one coming up. I'm producer Andy Last with the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Hi, uh, this is uh, BC from New Jersey. I am actually retired because of a disability. I'm almost 65. I have considerable assets, over a million in uh, taxable and over a million in a traditional IRA. I love your podcast. And I often hear you talk about uh, asset allocation, as I do hear others. I've recently taken over the management of my assets because I didn't like the way they were being managed. And uh, when you talk about asset allocations and you talk about bonds, I'm doing the managing of my portfolio using indexed funds. So, for example, I may have the total bond market index fund from Vanguard. Do you guys recommend individual bonds of a certain period to help meet money needs? That's the first question. The second question is, I have a variable annuity in my traditional IRA, and I'm wondering how that's going to be treated when it comes time for me to take RMDs. I would love to try and do a Roth conversion, but like I said, I'm near 65, and I think it would be too difficult given the tax burden. Thank you. All right, PC, thanks for uh, the question. couple of different um, ideas here. So he's almost 65. Right. He's got a lot of cash. Million dollars in taxable, over a million dollars in retirement accounts. Yep. Good job. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. He's like, you know what? I'm going to manage my stuff. Yeah, because they're uh, no one else. I don't. I don't like how the other guys manage. Yeah, it. they're not. They're well, that's not that's a good reason. Stuff. That's a good reason to to, yeah. to manage it. And you know what? If you enjoy it and you and you feel comfortable doing it, go for it. All right. So, uh, question. First one was index funds versus individual bonds. Um, we use both, um, but it's it, you know I like how he asked. You know, are we trying to solve an income need, like almost like a pension would? Right. Um, no, we don't use individual bonds in that manner. Um, if someone has a large amount of money uh, in a non-qualified account, we would probably ladder a municipal bond portfolio just to get a good stream of income tax-free. But it's not, not, we're not solving for, hey, this individual needs you know, $70,000 of income and let's produce a bond ladder to create that $70,000 of income. Right. Given interest rates, well, interest rates are on the rise, but bond prices are getting just hammered. Um, so you got to be careful with bonds, you know, because I don't think people really understand kind of the risk associated with bonds. Uh, they look at it as a safe investment looking for income needs. But what we look at it as is probably like a buffer against your stocks. It's just like your safety net. It's something that we want to be somewhat or very conservative with. So we use index funds and ETFs, just like you. We use short-term, you know, duration, high quality. Um, but in, in certain circumstances for certain clients, 
um, you know, we would also build individual bond portfolios. Yeah, we, that's right. And and so a bond ladder is just buying bonds of different maturities. So you might have one mature in a year, two years, three years, 10 years, you know, whatever it may be. That way you're, you're not stuck with one particular term. And, and you know, the thing about uh, longer term bonds is as, as interest rates go up, the value of that bond declines. Now, if you hold it to maturity, you'll you're get fine. the whole amount, right? Yeah. So, so, and bond funds, it's, it, it's, it holds the bonds. It's, it's simpler. It's easier, right? Cause you just buy the bond fund and you liquidate it as you need yeah, to. And it's way cheaper. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's what I prefer personally, just cause it's so much easier. But the, uh, the only thing that we would look at is to say, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish? Right. You know, so we, it seems to me that he's just looking at using bonds as a you know p- potential diversifier, so right. and, yeah, bond and, funds are are totally fine. Yeah, they're fine. Uh, a bond ladder's fine too. But for simplicity, uh, I I would go with the bond funds. Uh, so he's got an, a variable annuity um, in his traditional IRA. So first question I would ask is why do you have a variable annuity inside your IRA? <laughs> that is a good question. Um, and are you looking to annuitize the annuity? Is there a guaranteed benefit on it that you're looking to use? Um, or are you just holding it for whatever someone sold it to? Right, you, right. right. Um, you know, if it's just a, a deferred annuity and you're taking distributions from the annuity, you know, it's going to be treated as such. Whatever you take out could, you know, be the RMD. But if you're using some benefits, then it gets a little bit more complex. Yeah. So I, I have no idea what the contract is, what he's using, what he has. Yeah. And as you say, whether it's annuitized or not, which basically means you turn on the income stream. That's what annuitized means. So yeah, deferred annuity, you're not receiving any payments. Typically, it's whatever the value of the contract is at December 31st, you just add it to your other IRA balances and that's your RMD. And the thing about IRAs is you can... You can um, you can combine IRAs, you know, five different IRAs in column one, take an RMD out of one account. Now that doesn't work for 401ks and 403bs and things like that. So it makes it simpler. But once you start receiving payments and if there's benefits, it, it does get more complicated. And, and a lot of insurance companies actually compute that for you. So, um, yeah, but that's a good point, Al. Is that, let's say he's got a separate IRA with his variable annuity. He's got over a million dollars in other, right. re, you know, IRAs. It sounds like, yeah. And so you can take the the RMD from the other IRA and don't even worry about the annuity if you're Correct. worried about the complexity of the RMD yeah. from the VA. Right. Um, right. It, I don't think he spends a lot of money either. You know, so um, with the Roth conversion question, is like, okay, well you're 65, you got a million plus in a retirement account. And if you're not necessarily taking any distributions from that, you know, he could run into a huge tax issue. Good. Right. So you need to run the calculations PC to say, all right, well, are you willing to kick the can down the road? And if you're not taking distributions from the retirement account, what type of rate of return do you think you're going to receive on that retirement account over the next seven years? So let's say it's now worth 1.5, maybe it's $2 million. You take the RMD off that, well, that's 80 grand on top of your income. Does it make sense to maybe bleed some of that out now, pay the tax, or do you want to kick it down the road while tax rates are higher and get hurt even more? Yeah. And of course, we don't know how much is in the annuity. If you, and I'm assuming you have other assets besides the annuity in, in your IRAs, so you can convert that easily. When you have an annuity, um, you kind of have to go back to the um, the 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 insurance company to see if it can be converted. In some cases it can. Well, but, just get out of the annuity. 
Or get out of it, yeah, unless you want to keep it. It right? depends on what he bought it for. Yeah. But what is he buying it for guaranteed income? If you don't need the guaranteed income, get yeah. get out of it. Yeah. But what I was going to say was you, I don't think any insurance company that I know of will allow you to do a partial conversion on an annuity. Yeah, annuity. you can. Depends on the, the the contract. If you buy into the 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 same contract. Got it. Okay. Well, I what I had heard is you, it's all or nothing. Well, it depends. On, on the on the conversion depends upon the contract, there. Yeah, is is almost always the answer. Yeah, um, they're more complex than they probably need to be. Um, but again, I, I think for people that are out there, especially now with volatile stock market, you're going to get more pitches for contracts, right? Because hey, you lost money in the re, you know, in your stock and uh, mutual fund accounts. Why don't you buy this guaranteed annuity contract? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you looking for a guaranteed income stream? That's what an annuity is. It's insurance. You're buying an income. Is that what you want? Then you have to take a look at what is your internal rate of return. And if that is satisfactory, then go for it. But most people don't know that. Right. All right. What do we got here? Susan. Hi, Joe and Al. I was wondering if I-bonds are a good investment as they're currently offering 9.62%. What are the negatives for this type of investment? And upon redemption, what are the tax ramifications? I-bonds. I-bonds. Well, yeah, what the hell? Put some money in I-bonds. They're paying out of their wazoo. <laughs> um, I don't know. The, 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 depends on what you use the money for. It could be tax-free if you use it for education. Um, the downsides, I mean, you can only put $10,000 in. So you're limited. What you yeah, you're in. limited to what you can put in. There's some liquidity issues. You got to hold it for at least 12 months or something. Uh, but yeah, if you have $10,000 that you want to invest in I-bonds, 9.62% um, sounds pretty darn good to me. So the I-bonds, the yield is based upon inflation. So that's why they're so high now. Yes. And if and if you buy it right now, it's locked in, right? For whatever the term is. And what are the terms? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, whatever the term is. 12 months. I mean, you have to hold it for that. Yeah, I think it's they're almost like a zero coupon bond because yeah. we never bought I-bonds before because inflation was so low. Right. It, it wasn't It wasn't something... even worth it. Yeah. But now, yeah, if you have 10,000 bucks, um, by all means. I mean, yeah. it, it's probably locked up for um, 12, 12 months, I believe. And then um, if you take it out prior to that, you're not going to re receive the interest. You're going to lose the interest. Yeah, so, there. so there's stipulations and there's limits on the, how much you can invest. If you need the money you know, within a year or two, I wouldn't do it. But if you can let it ride for a year or so, um, right. by all means. Right. Okay. Well, I was going to say just actually the official term on the I-bonds, it says uh, they earn interest for 30 years unless you cash them first. You can cash them after one year. But if you year. cash them before five years, you lose the previous three months of interest. So if you cash it, for example, at 18 months, you get the first 15 months of interest. There you go. Okay. I know it was some stipulation there. So it's it's a it's a long term and it's a good rate. So why not? If you don't need the money right now. Sure. But on the other hand, it's only 10 grand. And for some people, that's a lot of money. For other people, it's like, ah, eh, not worth the hassle. So it, it just depends. It's worth a hassle for 9.6%. <laughs> Not if you're a multimillionaire. Like you, big gal? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. There's like if you're Bill Gates. Oh, like he, he would if you're big Al Clopine. I'm not gonna mess with that he, garbage. Too, too, you know, it's just not worth the trouble. <laughs> okay. Are bonds a bad investment in high inflation, high interest rate environment? How do I bonds fit in the investment portfolio? Brian. All right. Oh, why did I read that? I don't know where I, that's the, I that's the so title. 
Is that what is it? Did you write that title or do they? Yes. Anything that's in red is, or did you even print it in color? No. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. Uh, the Those are the titles. That's so that I am telling you just a, a basic idea of. What oh, this is your, this that's, is your, uh, oh, that's your me telling notes. you what it's about. Yes. All right. Oh, you're, you're we don't need the clip. You're notes. finally learning. I would say get rid of the clip notes. They just, I, they, they confuse me. I like them. That's what I thought. <laughs> so between the <laughs> two of you, figure it out and let me know what you want. <laughs> I, I would like them. Uh, Joe and Big Al, I love listening to your show. Thank you. You are one of my favorite podcasts, and I've been recommending to all my friends and family. Well, thank you very much. Nice. Thanks, Brian. Uh, yeah. Had a few questions about Series I savings bonds and bonds in general. Okay. Well, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> 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 I hear that in general. Rising interest rates make bonds a bad investment. So you have bonds in your portfolio and high inflation or high interest rate environments. Yeah, you have bonds in your portfolio. In um, all environments. Right. But the type of bond that you choose is going to determine the variability or the volatility of the overall bond. So a bond is a loan. It's a note. It's, it's an IOU, right? So people look at bonds almost like they're stocks. They're not. It's a it's a it's credit. It's like, all right, Al, I'm gonna lend you a hundred thousand dollars. Your Al's gonna do whatever he wants with my hundred thousand, but I'm gonna get money from it. Yeah, from. I'll, I'll pay you three percent a year, and, yeah. then, and then I'll pay you a hundred thousand at yes. the end of the term. So I get three thousand dollars a year, and then at the end of our agreement, I get my hundred thousand dollars back. That's a bond. If interest rates go up, right, and I want to get my bond back prior to maturity, that's when bond prices fluctuate. Yeah, because if they're five percent, who's going to buy your three percent bond for a hundred thousand? So you got to discount it to ninety thousand, right? Whatever the number is, because I could take my other hundred thousand and get five thousand dollars versus three, right? But if I wait to maturity, I get my hundred thousand dollars back. Yes. So the longer the term of the bond, you're going to have more variation of, of of volatility in the bond price if you sell the bond prior to maturity. Right. Makes sense? Agreed. So if I'm going long-term, you're going to see a lot of volatility. If I go short-term, it's not as, I mean, it's still, you're still going to see some movement, but it's not nearly going to be as severe. Agreed. So what are you holding the bonds for? We hold bonds in our portfolios to cushion the blow of the stocks. We're kind of in a weird environment just because we're getting really high inflation that we haven't really experienced in quite some times. And so the Fed is hiring or raising interest rates to kind of combat inflation or slow the economy. And so it's kind of a double whammy here where you're seeing bond prices go down as inflation goes up. But if you're buying more bonds or you're reinvesting or the mutual fund that you're in that is reinvesting in more bonds, guess what? They're not buying the bond at 3%. You're going to get 5% interest or 6 or 7 or whatever, wherever interest rates end up. Right. Yeah. Hold, hold on. <laughs> it's okay. It's a short-term little shock to the system. Yep. Yep. All right. Do you have an opinion on savings bonds? What are their, per yeah, buy savings bonds. You can only buy 10,000 bucks, right? I, I bonds. Yeah. I bonds. Yep. Savings bonds. Same, same. Yep. All right. You get nine and a half percent. Why not? If you got 10 grand, buy them. They're, they're illiquid. You have to hold them for at least a year. Or 30. Yeah, or thirty. You hold them at least a year. You get your interest, but you but if you sell it within five years, you lose three months interest, and uh, it, they are variable. So there's a base rate, and the base rate currently is zero. 
<laughs> so if there's no inflation, you're guess what? Your bond is zero and it resets every six months. So just be aware of that. The 9% that you're getting right now is not necessarily what you're going to get in three to five, 10, 30 years from now. Um, number three, my thought is after the one year hold, if inflation goes back to zero. Okay. Well, hopefully that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's not healthy either. <laughs> We, or we, deflation. We need we need some inflation, <laughs> um, or low, like one or two. Basically, right. the pe penalty for selling the bonds early is also pretty negligible. See, Ryan, you're right there. You're yeah. answering your own questions yeah, as you're writing this stuff down. You're kind of figuring it out. You hold it for a year. You lose three months interest, but you got some good interest for a while. Uh, not much of a liquor or beer person. My drink of choice is Orange Julius. Oh, I used to, <laughs> used to love that as a kid. A little Orange Julius. That's a little blast. That's like I was going to say, I haven't had thought about that stuff since I was going to the mall like in high school. school. Right. Mall in high school. Like, yeah. I only thought they had Orange Juliuses in Minnesota. Yeah, no, they had them. They used to have them out here. I don't, I don't think they do anymore, but I, I don't know. So, yeah, I think we're getting a lot of questions about the kind of the same things, which is great. Um, you know, people are concerned. We got inflation. We got interest rates going up. We got bond, bond prices going down. You got the stock market going down. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Right? So you, you have to be confident in your strategy. You're just going to want to reiterate this. You have to look at your planning first, not the investment, not the markets, not the economy, your planning, right? Because all of this is going to happen again at some point, probably in different variations. And, it, you know, oh, this time it's different. It's never different. It's just kind of a different circumstance. How is your investment mix and why is it like that? Learn ways to grow your investments in all market environments. Learn how to avoid poor investment decisions and how to protect yourself from risk. Download eight timeless principles of investing for free from the podcast show notes just before the transcript of today's episode. This guide will help you feel more confident in your portfolio, even during times like this. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes and download eight timeless principles of investing. Share the podcast and ask Joe and Big Al your money questions on air. Let's go to Wisconsin, back to Scotty. Uh, hi, Joe, Big Al, and Andy. Really enjoy the show. Thanks for all the laughs and the wisdom, aka not financial advice. Yeah, we're just a couple of kids. Shooting the breeze. Assuming all is good with meeting income requirements and yada, 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 instead of putting some of the $7,000 I'm eligible to put into my Roth IRA for 2022, should I consider using those funds towards my tax liability for executing a full or partial conversion from a traditional IRA into an existing Roth IRA? How can I evaluate the long-term value of making a contribution versus a conversion? My husband and I are both 54 with plans to work until 65. Our AGI for 2022 should be down due to having another dependent to claim. No, not a baby at our ages. Second kiddo returning to college full time. Uh, some total of our deductions will be worth itemizing in 2022. Plus the account balances are down. We drive our Hondas to the ground. We got a 2013 Odyssey, 2013 CRV, and a 2012 Civic. Our rescue pups, a poodle in a multi-poo. 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 There's a Maltese poodle mix. Uh, they get pretty anxious on their car rides. Maybe mm. I share a little smooth brandy old-fashioned 
Mm, brandy old fashioned. All right. Maybe. Ah, Maybe if you did. Sweet. I'm with them to enjoy the ride home. I like an old fashioned. <laughs> all right. So here's the deal. It depends on a couple of things, Diane. Oh, Diana. Like Princess Diana. Yeah. Yeah. In. yeah. Okay. So let's say seven thousand dollars. If if she's in the twelve percent tax bracket, sure, it's a sixty thousand dollar conversion, roughly. Right. The the seven thousand dollars would cover. So you convert fifty eight thousand dollars, and then your tax bill is going to be seven grand. So I guess Diana, what what would you rather have? Fifty eight thousand dollars in the Roth or seven thousand in the Roth? Right. And if you're if you're in the call it the twenty four percent bracket. It's going to be roughly thirty thousand ish is is what you could convert. So that seven thousand dollars would allow you to convert thirty thousand, or if you're in the lowest bracket, it would allow you to convert sixty ish. And that's federal. Um, I don't that's know. That's federal. You got to factor in state. The state too. of Wisconsin. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's. But I would say this. Um, that works for a lot of people that we talk to because they have high balances in IRAs and 401ks because they're trying to reduce their required minimum distribution. Or give tax so diversification right. or have a better income exactly. um, withdrawal strategy. There's multiple reasons. Now, if you if you really don't have that much in an IRA or a 401k, and so the re- required minimum distribution isn't going to amount to much, <laughs> then it doesn't, doesn't matter as much. Well, it's the same. It's the same math. It's but, the same math but, either but, way. But the reason you do that is to get a lot more money in the Roth tax-free Right. And if you if your RMD isn't really going to move the needle, it, I, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't really matter. Well, I don't I don't think it has anything to do with the RMD. I think it has everything to do with what the retirement income strategy is going to be, because maybe she doesn't have a lot of money in a retirement account, but she has Social Security. Right. And then so the RMD or the distribution from that could make her Social Security be subject to tax okay. up to 50 or 85 percent. So even though the balances could be low or moderate, I mean, I'm still looking at this as leverage. Right. That's all you, th- That's all it is, is that can I use that money as leverage to get a lot more money into a Roth IRA to compound for me tax-free? She's got 10 more years to work, right? So it's like, okay, well, yeah, you could, I, I think we would want you to do both, but if you can only afford 7,000, it's going to depend, I guess, uh, uh, truly on what does your overall picture look like to really dial this thing yeah. in? But, you know, just from a spitball high level, it's like, all right, well, $7,000. If you give that to the IRS, if you're in the 12% tax bracket, it's roughly 50 some odd thousand dollars. If you're in the 24% tax bracket, it's roughly 30,000. So would you rather have a lot higher number going into the Roth convert it? Then you have the cash to pay the tax and forget about it. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. Here's what I'm thinking though. Sometimes we see real estate investors that have very little in their deferred accounts. So it doesn't matter so much. It, yeah. That, would make that, that's almost more what zero, I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if she's got heirs, you know, then that's going to go to the heirs tax-free. Um, you know, th- don't get me started. I mean, I think everyone knows we're pro- pretty high on. Are we pro Roth? Is this the Roth show? <laughs> you know, that's what we got kind of got claimed, lab- labeled. Got, got labeled. So that's why that. I was like, stop asking us Roth questions because we want to be <laughs> a little bit more well-rounded. Right. Um, yeah. But, we're not just a one trick pony. Yes, we have. We're two tricks. <laughs> <laughs> we got a question here from Jean from Michigan. She goes, hey, guys, thank you for taking my question. Every two weeks, I contribute money to my 401k after tax account. After a few days, I call to transfer that money into my Roth 401k. 
I have not transferred money in a while and the stocks are down from a tax standpoint. Is it smarter to wait or take the loss and just move it? Can I do anything about the loss? Thank you for all the great content. I look forward to listening every week. Uh, Jane. So this is what Jane's doing. She's got little after-tax contributions going into her 401k plan uh, because those dollars were never taxed. She's converting those to a Roth IRA and avoiding any tax. Sure. But in 10,000 after tax, you convert 10,000 into the Roth, no tax due. You got 10,000 in the Roth and bada boom. Yeah. And so your 10,000 went down to eight. Yes. And so she's like, Which should I, I convert? Is there a way to take the loss at $2,000 loss? Right. Um, the answer, in my humble opinion, <laughs> I know there's a way that you can write off IRA losses. Um, on, I forget what form, and then it's an itemized deduction. Yeah, which most people don't itemize, and, or a yeah, lot of people don't. Not anymore. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm, and not, I'm not even sure that's still available. I don't think so Because that either. was a miscellaneous itemized yeah, deduction, I think. It was. Yeah, th- so there, there's a tricky way that the, the, the quick answer is... Just convert. Just convert. It doesn't matter whether it's up or down. You're converting the same dollars and there's no tax cost. Exactly. You want to convert while it's down because then you have all of those shares converted. You bought for 10000 Now they're worth 8000 Right. Right? But you still have the same amount of shares. Right. So you convert... You're still not paying any tax, but then now that eight thousand, when it recovers to ten thousand, that two thousand recovery goes into the Roth, and then there. I mean, she could wait and still convert at ten thousand. She's not going to pay any tax because that's the basis. Right, right. I but, guess if it goes above that, then you, you know you have a potential issue. Right, but but I would just get it into the Roth. Right, I would do right it as away. soon as possible because um, there's no tax benefit. Just do it. Uh, got an email from David. Lives in uh, Forsyth. Is that right? Missouri? I think Forsyth is correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's, right. that's, yeah that's what I would say too. Wow. That's just you. Yeah, you were a little stumped. I'm to, I was thinking, I wonder how he's going to say it. Well, it sounds right. No. <laughs> we could Andy. all be wrong. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Big Alan Joe. Um, I drive a tw- 2004 Hyundai accent. Um, I drink Milwaukee Light. Oh, old mud. <laughs> You ever have a little Milwaukee light? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. I had that back in the day. <laughs> Steal that from my dad. Got it. That's what he would keep in the garage. Oh, called it old mud. Oh, <laughs> and did it taste like mud? Yeah, just did, it did, didn't do the... well on the stomach. Oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of made it gargle a little bit there. Got it. Okay. Um, but I aspired to upgrade to Bush light and then ultimately, God willing, Coors light. Oh, look at he's got goals. Got it. Very uh, good. I feed a mean tempered feral cat. I am a minimal minimalist living on twelve thousand dollars a year. Uh I live man, twelve thousand dollars a year. That's big Al's beer budget. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that covers it. <laughs> I live in uh Forsyth, Missouri, but plan to relocate to New Mexico soon. Could you tell me a good way to invest $80,000 long-term without going over $234 in income? If I go over this limit, I become ineligible for my Medicare savings program and will have to pay $170 a month in Part B premiums. I'm considering buying uh, Berkshire, uh, but this would give me a concentrated position of about 12%. 
So he wants to avoid $234 of income now on is an that, 80000 Is that a month? So that's what I'm wondering. Is, is that a year? Monthly or annual? If, if it's monthly, that'd be kind of hard to do unless you put it in a checking account with no income. I mean, right? he wants to... If, if it's per month, then uh, that would be almost $3,000. 3000 3000 into 80 I think that's about three and a half, maybe. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, 3.7. Yeah, and I think if you if you look at like total stock market funds, I I at least the last time I looked they were paying under 2% dividend yield. Mm -hmm. So Well, I mean anything in the market now you're getting a negative. <laughs> True. It's not very much, right? But I mean just generally. So if it's per month, maybe you look at the total stock market fund if you if you if it's long term and we don't know if this makes sense for your plan. Is this the right investment? I don't know. But if, if you're just strictly talking about keeping it under $234 of, if it's monthly income, you could invest probably in, in a total stock fund or something like that. If it's, uh, if it's annual, that's hard to keep that. Well, is David tripping over dollars to pick up pennies here? Well, I don't think so because he's, he would forego, he'd have to pay 170 bucks a month. Okay. So that's $2,000 a year. Right. So how about if his investment does $3,000 a year? <laughs> yeah, good point. You know what I mean? You're still yeah. net ahead. Right. Trying to, you know, trying to figure. You, you could be very tax efficient with the investments out there. Look at exchange traded funds. Look at index funds that have very little turnover. Right. You know, if you want to go with Berkshire, they don't have, um, you know, Warren Buffett is a big believer of not giving out large dividends. He would much rather reinvest in the overall organization. So that sure. might be a really good option. That could for be you. great, except for the concentration. But we don't know enough about your portfolio to know what to say. But but, but, but Berkshire is still fairly diversified. It is. Yeah. You know? Um, yep. So yeah, I, I, if, if we were just sitting around having a, an old mud, <laughs> yeah, what would what would you do? You know, I mean, he's like, well, what do you think about Warren Buffett? I'd be like, yeah, he's a good guy. I don't know what the hell, it's eighty grand. <laughs> Figure it out, right? You know, so yeah, I I have no problem with that. But yeah. it, I mean, if you creep up and you get a little bit of income and then you lose your subsidy, well. 12%. Let's see. I mean, <laughs> well, also, if you creep up enough right before year end, make sure you have enough stock losses to create some capital loss right over and above your gains because you can take up to $3,000. So that would, would be a way to do that. But if it, let's say if he doesn't have it, I mean, he's got about, if that's 12%, if that 80,000 is 12% of his total portfolio, yeah, I don't know. He's got about what, $700,000. Yeah, that's about right. And so, what is the what what is the other six hundred thousand dollars doing? Yeah, that's not creating that, or he's already up to a certain level. When does the Medicare uh, premiums go to one seventy? With uh, within yeah, let's see if he he's because if he, this is Irma he's talking about. Yeah, right? if, he, if he's single, it's ninety one thousand. Ninety one thousand or of less modified adjusted gross income. If it's married, it's one hundred eighty two thousand. So usually, most wouldn't you say most minimalists are single? Yeah, he spells, yeah, <laughs> and he's spending $12,000 a year and he drinks old mud. Right. So I love it. I'll have an old mud with you, David. Good luck with that. Um, you know, just look at the dividend yields and, and try your best. Uh, hell of a spitball there, man. <laughs> yeah, we killed it. 
Luckily, we've got plenty of free financial resources you can access in the podcast show notes, like Eight Timeless Principles of Investing, the 2022 Key Financial Data Guide. We've got new blog posts on the importance of staying invested despite market volatility and a Q2 market review. Plus, you can register for the free Q3 Financial Markets Outlook webinar on July 20th. Hosted by Pure Financial Advisors Chief Investment Officer and Executive Vice President, Brian Perry, CFP, CFA. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes and get started. Uh, we go, hello, YMYW team. I'm wondering about the best way to help our young adult kids when they're ready to buy a house. Is this from you, Al? <laughs> yeah, I want, to, I want you and I to spitball my situation. <laughs> uh, the kids are working and making good income and are very reasonable or responsible. Uh, we are blessed to be able to help them in this process and are wondering what our, our options are that makes the most sense. A friend of mine uh, told me that they purchased the house with their kids um, and then rented it back to them for three years. Wow. I mean, what kind of, they're just living in, <laughs> what, kind of, where are they living? I mean, hey, well, my best friend, all these people are buying their kids' homes. Well, it says uh, Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Okay. I, so, I don't know much about the housing market there. That's a nice place. Yeah. Probably pretty expensive. Probably. At the end of the three years, the kids bought it back from their parents for a reasonable value. This allowed the kids to live in a slightly nicer house than they could have bought originally while increased their earnings and savings. I assume that the parents treated this as a rental property for tax purposes. Is this a better option than gifting the kids a down payment? What are the pluses and minuses? Uh, we would not co-sign or co-own a house with our adult kids as this seems to create potential legal and estate issues. I love your thoughts. I drive a 2021 Corolla. I have no pets and enjoy a glass of Cabernet with my amazing husband every night. Wow. Thanks for what you do. Uh, Chris in Atlanta, Georgia. Awesome. Um, okay, Al, we could get a little creative here, I suppose. Sure. Well, I mean, let's go over the choices, right? So um, you could give your kids a down payment, let them buy the house. You could loan your kids a down payment, let them buy the house. You could co-sign, which they don't want to do. Co-sign means you co-sign on the loan. If your kids don't pay, you're responsible for the payment. Uh, you could um, buy the house, as uh, is indicated here, and then you own it. Maybe you own 50%, maybe you own 100%, maybe, or whatever. In this particular case, he's talking about owning it outright and then selling it to the kids. seems like a lot of work to, to, to do this. Um, I don't know. Can you think of anything else? No, I mean, <clears throat> I think what what she's asking is there is is there some tax moves? Is there something savvy that Chris can do? Right. So it's like, okay, well, here maybe we buy the house, we rent it to the kids, and we, we've seen that before because then, you know, with gift tax and depending on estate sizes and things like that, you know, you can kind of avoid some issues there, um, because or you could gift back the the payment to the kid. Right, sure. you've seen that. Yep. So let's say if the payment's under twenty thousand dollars, what's that gift exemption? I think it's is it sixteen thousand this 16, year? Sixteen, eighteen thousand bucks. <laughs> I think it's sixteen. Sixteen grand. So you buy the house, and then <clears throat> you know they could pay your rent, or you could gift the the the, the payment, um, or you could give them the down payment, 
but it, I guess I don't understand what their friend did. So they, they rented it back for three years. So they're saying, okay, well, here's a, a $500,000 house. We're going to buy the house and you're going to rent it from us. And then in three years, we're not, we're, we're, we're going to sell it to you for maybe a discounted rate. Yeah. I think that's what she's implying. And um, so then they could buy a little bit nicer house and the parents are, you know, the, the gift to the, the kids would be what the discounted rate on the house. So they could get into maybe a $500,000 house where maybe they could really only afford a $400,000 house. So the parents are gifting them maybe that hundred thousand differential. I mean, I, I like that idea, depending on how you want to finance this. So if you, if you're going to pay cash, are you going to hold a note? Are you going to transfer the note to the kids? Um, so, yeah, they I could mean, have done a rent to own type thing, right? Where the amount that they were paying towards the rent actually went towards them purchasing the house. They could do something you could. like that. You could. Yeah. There's I mean, no real, I mean, the, I guess the tax advantages is so you have a Schedule E, um, but then when you sell the house to the kids, you're yeah. going to have to recapture a lot of that stuff back. Yeah. And depending upon their income level, they may not get the deduction anyway. Yeah. So it just gets suspended and used against the sale. And you're going <laughs> to sell it at a discount. So there's probably not going to be a gain on the house. So I don't know yeah. how big of a tax advantage that would be. Yeah, I I, I would say, it. yeah, I agree with you. I, I think there's not too many tax advantages here. I think it's more, what's the best way to get um, some equity, you know, home to your kids without spoiling them? That, that's the way I think of this question. And um, so I'm, I'll just run through a couple things quickly. So you could you could give them the money. Or you could loan them the money for the down payment and they get the loan. I kind of like those because now it's their home, their purchase. I don't really want to buy a home and sell it back to them in three years because what if they don't want it? And then I got a home I don't want, yeah. right? So I, I, don't, I wouldn't really like that one. If you give the kids the money, then that's a perfectly fine way to go. It's $16,000 per person per year gifting. And so uh, let's see if you're married and if you're, kid is married. So that's 16,000 times four, which is 64,000, I believe. Yeah, um, we call it 70. Yeah, close to 70. Yeah, 60, 70,000 you can, you can give to them without a tax consequence. So that seems like a good way to go. You could loan it to them if you want them to have a little bit more skin in the game. The lender is going to make you sign a form that says it's not a loan. So you just have to be willing to kind of fudge that a little bit happens all the time, but just understand that's, that's the consequence. Yeah. The, the, the lease to own the buying the property. I'm, I'm not crazy about that personally, just because I may end up with a property I really don't want. And I, I, I'd sort of like the kids I'll help them out to get their first home, but I want them to build equity on their own. So it's more real to them instead of saying, well, I got this home. I can't afford it because my parents, that's, that's me. So I would actually personally just give them the money for the down payment. That's what I would do. Yeah, I think that's probably the best. And you could give more than this, you know, 16,000 times four. You can. Yeah. You could give them several hundred thousand dollars. It doesn't necessarily matter. You're just going to have to file a gift tax return. It right. just reduces your, your lifetime credit. Yeah, exactly. So 64,000 comes off the 200 that you gave them. So you basically you have to you reduce your credit by the difference between those two, you know, rough, roughly 140,000 ish. So yeah, that's. That's what I would do. And if, if you want them to get it into a nicer home, just give them more money so they can afford the mortgage and you just have a bigger down payment. Yeah. If, um, if you can afford it. So we don't know about your finances. Right. And what's your net worth? Because I mean, if you want to give a, a lot more, I mean, if, if 
the estate tax is probably not going to come into play unless you have a you know twenty million dollar you know or forty million dollar right. you know net worth. So right. we're assuming that it's probably underneath that. Yeah, and then, so you can give all you want, and it's just another form that you would have to file with your taxes. So. Yeah, no, there's no current. Ta- they call it a gift tax return, but there's no current tax. There's no. Yeah, you, it just reduces your state tax exemption later, which is roughly twelve and a half million per person. So it's around twenty-five million ish per couple is your exemption. So in other words, if your assets are less than that when you pass away, it goes to the heirs without a, without an estate tax. All right, Chris, good luck with that. Let us know what you do. From Orange Julius to Old Fashions and Mai Tais, we're drinking in the derails at the end of the episode, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment at a date and time convenient for you, no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. It's like orange juice and whipped cream all whipped together. I don't know about whipped cream. Some, some kind of some kind of cream. Really? I thought it was just kind of like. No, it's got it's got some kind of cream in it to make it that rich flavor. I thought it was just like a, a frozen I it was concentrated like ice and, orange yeah. juice. Yeah, me too. I, I don't think so. Maybe an Al's day. That's how it was made, Joe. Yeah, like old school. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the old school yeah. method. Yes. They got cows in the back. <laughs> they got <laughs> milking cow. They got an orange tree and a cow. Hold on just a minute. Let me get the blender. <laughs> yeah, they're just churning the hell out of it. Oh, big time. <laughs> oh, wearing little bonnets. Oh. What's the best? <laughs> uh, you had to, you had to buy it in your overalls, though. You weren't allowed to. Oh, all right, a little orange Julius, yeah. big owl. Yeah, different flavor. Different flavor, right? The orange Julius that Andy and I grew up on <laughs> were a little different than Big Al's orange oh, Julius. It's so good. But it was still orange Julius, right? Right. Like a little brandy. I I, I, I would I have a probably more of a whiskey old fashioned than yeah. a brandy. I think the sum total of my hard alcohol um, consumption, is consumption a bottle of vodka is, is <laughs> no. I was going to say occasional rum in Hawaii. I, I really don't like hard alcohol very much. Rum, oh, never again. Well, not straight. Oh, well, no, I had the, <laughs> that mai tai when I was in Maui. Yeah, what happened? Oh, it was terrible. They had to roll him home. Right. Oh. <laughs> Did it catch up with you a little faster? It was terrible. Yeah, I had to leave dinner early. Oh my god! I just was, I was very close to making an ass on myself. Yeah, I knew my limits. I was like, "Whoa, well, this is here. uh yeah, okay, Rose, it's time to go." And she's like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, this, is our, dinner. this is our wedding. <laughs> this is our, our wedding um, dinner." And I was like, "Yeah, we're, Not, we're going back to the hotel. maybe tomorrow. <laughs> we have a little wedding breakfast." Got it. Um, yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, those Mai Tai kick my, my, they can, yeah. it, it's, they're, they're all different. Some are stronger than others. The one, the, the, the ones at Bally High in San Diego, those are super strong. Yeah, but I mean, those are terrible. Well, they come in at like a giant, like goblet. Yeah. And, and there's, there's actually no juice. It's all alcohol. It's like a Long Island iced tea. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
I cash those now for breakfast sometimes. <laughs> Got it. With your eggs and things. <laughs> yeah. Got Long it. Island. Got you know, it. Go with my pigment muffins. <laughs>